Welcome to the Natural Running Network. My name is Richard Diaz, and what I hope to do is introduce you to some amazing athletes and luminaries from the sports science community, and what has come to be expected, I'll provide some highly opinionated rants on all aspects of endurance sports and my current favorite, obstacle course racing. Now sit tight, grab a cup of coffee, and let's do this. All right, here I am. If anybody's still listening to me, you know, it's been... <laughs> It seems like it's been about a month or so since I've actually put up a podcast. But, you know, all truth be told, I said early on that if I don't have somebody that I really want to talk to or a, a topic that I really find interesting, I'm just not going to do it just for GP. I'm not doing it anymore. And I got uh, I got a guy with me today that I've worked with quite a lot over the years. And he's kind of gone off and come up from underneath my, my wing. And uh, I begged him to come on and do this podcast with me today and you guys all know him and remember hunter mcintyre he's with me now say hello hunter well i don't care about the people i only care about you rich let's not talk about them let's talk about us <laughs> it's the, all about good, us yeah in the good old days yeah what's going on dude you know just the same old thing i i don't know it seems like to me things have changed a bit i i'm not as uh i'm not as focused on chasing one thing anymore. Uh, and I, I, I think it's a lesson for people when they try to define you. You know what I mean? And I know you experience this all the time. Is when people try to put you in a box and they say, well, this is who you are. I think that that's a mistake. You know, like suggesting to you early on that you are an OCR guy. That's it. But you got you got more going on. You got more. What was the term you used earlier? Diversity. You got a lot of stuff going on, right? Well, yeah, you got to diversify, but I, I wouldn't say you're you're any pegged in any one hole. Like, you're a performance coach. I've seen like you helped teach a kid with autism how to run a four thirty mile, and you couldn't even walk a straight line. You help out, you know, baseball players, basketball players, football players, soccer players. Now you're in OCR. You used to do triathlon. You're working with Ryan Fisher now. Anybody who has got half a brain could imagine that you've got uh, a pretty good grounding on doing all of it rather than just some of it. Well, the point I'm trying to make is that at large, people that don't really know you, they try to define who you are. And it's it's tough, you know. I mean, you're on the inner circle. You you know me. You know where I've been and what I do and that kind of thing. So it's kind of different. But again, I mean, as much as we suggested early on that it was about us, I don't want to make it about us. I want to make it a little bit more about you. So tell me how this uh, project is going with the games. I'm going to call it a project right now. but uh, It certainly is a project because, you know, I remember talking to you about it almost a year ago, and I was like, I'm going to go do it. And you're like, uh, I don't know why you want to do CrossFit. And I was like, well, i got to try something new. I've been doing the same thing for, you know, X amount of years, and it's just uh, I'm tired of digging a hole to China. I want to go check out somewhere else. You know, you can't – if you don't find gold – in one hole, you got to keep on digging in other places. I'm just not the same, that kind of person who's going to stay in the same spot. Like, I'm going to look for opportunity everywhere. And, you know, for some people, uh, staying one place and focusing all of their attention on it for the entirety of their life can be a very fruit-bearing thing. It can be really exciting. It could be, you know, their ultimate answer. But for me, I'm too energetic and too uh, 
you know, all over the place to just sit in one place and, you know, live that lifestyle. So the adventure of CrossFit has been, as I, as I originally said, is, uh, I, I compare it to starting on a beach in, in the United States, somewhere on the East coast, and then rowing over to Europe across the Atlantic ocean. Now you got a pretty good thing going on in the U S you got all your friends, you got your family, you got a you got a job that pays pretty well, and you're like, well, I think I can find something on the other side of this ocean that's that's better for me. It's better opportunity. I'm gonna find new people. I'm gonna find you know more opportunity. I'm gonna start anew. And I took the chance. And you know, the shitty part about the journey is is it's not the beginning. It's not the end. It's somewhere along the middle, where you're like, I've come this far, and I've got this much more to go. And you know, now I've only got three weeks left until the games. It's This is the easy part, to be honest. You know, still there's grueling hours. Like, I've already done three hours of training today, and I have to do another hour to hour and a half this afternoon. And, like, yeah, it's hard work. But, you know, the, the shitty part is being somewhere around, you know, January through March where you're not really that fit and you're not really that good at anything. Like I had given up and not done any of the cardio that I was used to that made me a freaking beast. Because usually if you put me on a rower or made me run or put me on a bicycle, I'll bury almost anybody in the world who's my size. And I hadn't done any of that. So when the Open came around, which is the CrossFit Open I'm talking about, I had pretty shitty scores relative to who I am. And, you know, but my strength had gone way up. And then you know, once you get out of that and you start putting in that sweat, snot, grunty shit in for a long time, then next thing you know, two months later, after putting in all that suffrage, you're starting to get really fit. So now I'm in this window where all these people that I was competing against, like, you know, three to six months ago, who were like, dude, you suck at CrossFit. You're not going to the games. You're going to get buried. Now I just backhand them left, right, and center. I just fuck them up. I can't, I, I'm just putting dents in everybody now, which is great. Uh, but the thing that I, uh, the reason why I, I said all this is because, you know, to most people, they don't have that foresight and that, that focus to, to take the beating and be insulted and be criticized and, you know, have all these people tell you you're wrong and you can't do it. And now that I'm close to the games, like I can truly say that I think I'm going to really mess people up at the CrossFit games. And I'm going to have a blast, you know, I'm not doing it for anybody other than myself. So, you know, at this point, I'm just, I'm having a blast. So who, who would you put a target on? I mean, who do you feel like is unbeatable in the games right now? Unfortunately, it's Matt Frazier. And I, you, I wouldn't use the word target because it doesn't really make sense. Like trying to beat any one person in a workout isn't real. It's not like, it's not like OCR. Like I don't, go out and say I'm going to beat Hobie Call because there's so many different events I have to focus on just being the best that I can do in certain events and damage control in other events because, you know, the person I really want to beat may be nowhere near me in the events that I'm good at and then the events that he's good at, I may be nowhere near him. So it's not even a kind of a practical battle to, to for he and I to fight against each other. Um, so – yeah, sure. Like I want to duke it out with Matt Frazier and beat him at the things that I'm good at. But you know, when the barbells come out, I'm not going to be next to him. And when the running comes, he's not going to be next to me. So that's the interesting thing about the games is 
you know, you're just, it's, it's kind of like one of these things where, you know, it, it's a lottery where they spin the thing with all the balls and they pull it out, out a number and that's your random workout for the day. So, and it happens like that for five days straight and you do almost 15 workouts. Uh, so you, it's randomized and completely non-directional. So if I had to really pick anybody to put my sights on, I just want to crush Brent Fikowski because he talked shit to me in the beginning and he's actually a really nice guy and we've kind of squashed our problems. But I think he, he told me, he, he basically was trying to say that I didn't have a right to be there because I didn't qualify traditionally. And now I'm just going to burn him to the ground and let him know that, you know, just because I didn't play by your standard doesn't mean that I'm not, uh, you know, a total beast of an athlete. All right. So we, when we had this conversation that you, that you alluded towards about a year ago, yeah. You called me up and you said, look, I want you to help me to pull this together for the games. And then when it's done, I want to go to Tahoe and win the world championships. Yeah. And I said to you that that was an incredibly complicated and difficult thing to achieve. And I thought you were a bit crazy. And you said to me, and I'll never forget it. You said to me, but wouldn't it make a really great story? And I paused for a second and I thought about what you said. And I said, I'm in. I, I'm in because you were right. I, I mean, the the concept of developing all this brute, fast twitch fiber strength for CrossFit and then turning around and getting into a race that's going to take you 14 miles at altitude over a mountain. There's such polar opposite problems uh, in energy systems that you're trying to develop. And uh, so I never asked you this lately, so I'm going to ask you live now. Do you still have that on your mind? Do you still think there's a chance you might want to try to do that? Yeah, 100%. It's, it's something that I'm very, very focused on. Like, you know, I've been I've been working on these training guides, and a lot of people think that, I'm just selling training guides to flip out, you know, open up my wallet and pour cash in. But truthfully, I keep on making training guides. Like the next one that I'm launching is is pretty much identical to what I want to do with my training to get ready for it and just give people some insight and see if they like the workouts. So because here's, here's two things that are going on here. One, I want to get ready for Tahoe and do well in Tahoe. Two, I cannot let go of all the hard work I just put into CrossFit because there's a bunch of CrossFit events at the end of the year that I really want to do well in. One of them, the Dubai Fitness Championships, which rumors to have like they're upping up their their cash prizes, which is already enormous um, as is. You know, it's an opportunity for me to go out there and and really wreck these guys uh, on on that foreign soil, which would be fun. So, yeah, I want to do the Bo Jackson, and I told a lot of people that that. I don't think that I, I'm ever going to do any either CrossFit for the rest of my life or OCR for the rest of my life. My goal, at least my athletic life, my goal is to do both. So um, if I have everything running, all cylinders are running smooth, I'll be in Tahoe. And I'm definitely planning on going to London. And then there's this new rock event called High Rocks, which is going to be pretty cool. To be totally honest, I do not know how I'm going to feel after the games. I'm either going to – it could be something where I'm like I don't skip a beat and I just take a rest week and kind of get a couple of massages and I'm back on. But 
people always complain and say after the games that they need to like take two months off. So who knows? Like I, I didn't think that uh, I was going to feel that bad after doing World's Toughest Mother the first time. But the world after I did World's Toughest Mother the first time, I lost all of my toenails and I couldn't wear regular shoes for six weeks. I only could wear <laughs> flip flops and tevas, yeah. and you know. I didn't poop right for a month and like all of these things happened to me. And I'm, be, I'm only saying that because I want to be, bring people into the reality of what it takes to be an absolute beast at something. Like I think a lot of people could do Ironmans, but the difference between going and doing an Ironman and then being number one at an Ironman is it could take every muscle fiber in your body, heat exhaustion. Like you remember, um, what's the name? Chris McCormack. Yeah, sure. Chris McCormack literally – he, he almost murdered himself every single year trying to win that thing. And that's what I'm going to try to do at the CrossFit Games. So who knows what's going to happen to me. But luckily, I'm moving back to Malibu, and I'll be there around August 20th, and you and I are going to get a lot of work together yeah. uh, leading up to it. Well, it, it the problem is interesting because the nature of developing the system to produce well in a CrossFit game yeah. relative to what it's going to take to produce well in a mountain run. I mean, it's just complete polar opposites. And, you know, since I've had a chance to mess around with CrossFit and working with Ryan a little bit, I, I'm becoming more familiar with the, the demands that are associated with that sport. And I don't know. I mean, I just got through writing this whole thing about developing this anaerobic energy system, which is exactly what you don't want to worry about too much of when you're trying to run up a mountain. You want to be pretty aerobic for a lot of that if you could help it and so totally. yeah so we got to rewire you we got to actually take and and you know pull the wiring out and and just reset the whole situation and the the the, the question is going to be whether we're going to have enough time i th i think you can do it i just don't know maybe we could push the uh world championships off another month <laughs> that might help us yeah I, listen i I'm telling you right now, I'm starting to put in those nine to 10 mile runs, um, mostly on Wednesdays. And I'm trying to make sure that it's like really, really easy, not taxing on the body. Cause I have three more days of training left in the week and you know, it's up here at altitude and it's, you know, on heavy, tired legs from lifting. I'm doing a lot of weight rest training. I'm just trying to really build up my leg strength and my endurance. Like I'm doing mileage all around my training so listen, i'm doing everything in my power that would allow me to get ready for both at the same time but i i'll admit i'm totally focused on crossfit and i'm not i'm not giving myself like i'm not going to allow the pressure of doing well at tahoe or another event to interfere with the the crossfit thing because this crossfit thing might be a once in a lifetime thing and i don't want to i don't want to screw that up so as exciting as to have this conversation and be like, well, we, we might, we might fly to the moon next. Um, <laughs> it's who, who knows what's going to happen. Well, what I was really kind of surprised at earlier today when we were communicating, I don't remember the, the exact question I had for you, but I asked something about after the games, then what you're going like, well, I'll, I'll be back next year. I, I didn't expect to hear that from you. I didn't expect for you to tell me that you'd be developing another year of, ability to compete at that level in that sport again i, I just well, thought it was kind of a science project for you well here's the thing now that i'm good at it i i like it and now that i've put the, the groundwork in to get really good at it 
And now I'm not saying when I say really good, I'm not the best. So don't take that the wrong way. I don't have to put in these shitty workouts of like two strength sessions a day, five days a week, like, you know, the Bulgarians did. And I took that weightlifting model and I put it on my body and it made my back hurt. My knees hurt. My ankles hurt. My, my spine hurt. My shoulders hurt. Everything was in pain all the time because it's just so much explosive load on your whole body. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to do this for a whole year. I don't think it's good for you. I think if I can split my time and get a little bit more healthy with it, I think it might be a really exciting thing to do. And not only in the, in the idea of looking at from a health standpoint, I also really just, I want to get exposed to more competition because to be totally honest, I don't think that OCR has really tried much in the past couple of years to be innovative in the way that their sport is going to develop and grow and get new athletes. So it's kind of the same thing. Like if you go to these races these days, do you see anybody else new showing up? No. They're watering um, it down. I, honestly, I, you know me, I've been after it. I've been involved in it for a, quite a bit of years now. And I, I really don't have the confidence in the sport that I had early on. Because I even asked you earlier before we got on live whether you thought it, it was dwindling. And I think the problem is, is there's not enough competition in the sport from a production perspective. And because there's no competition from production, then the there's no prize money that's being competitive, you know, so between a couple different companies that are vying for athletes or trying to encourage athletes to get into the sport. There's just not enough going on. I mean, after a while, when a guy says, I'm a pro XYZ OCR athlete, where in fact, everything he's doing to support that habit is putting him in the hole. He's not a pro professional to me means that you're making a living at something. And there, you know how it works. There's only a couple of people really in the sport that I would even consider to be in it to win it, in it to actually make a living, pay the bills, you know, have a mortgage and call it a job. I mean, it's challenging. It's super challenging. It's way, it's way difficult. And I mean, there's just the concept of being professional at it. It's like, really? I mean, you make it about 15 grand a year if you're doing a hell of a job. Yeah. And, and you're traveling around to all these events, a lot of times on your own dime. So your net at the end of the year might be half that. Maybe you're, maybe you made seven grand in the year. I mean, how, how do you pay the, you can't, Dude, I can't even imagine trying to pay the bills at my house if I was if depending on a circumstance like that. Yeah. Well, listen, I'll be honest. I mean, I, I, this might get me in some kind of trouble, but I don't really care anymore because I don't think there's anybody who can really stop me from saying what I want to say. Um, I just think the people who are in charge of developing the sport and Spartan race are doing a dog shit job. Uh, you know, there was Jody I who... I think it, it, it is core is a really, really good guy, but I think he just kind of got up, caught up in the tornado of his position and he was given a small budget and he was given a lot of hungry mouths to feed. And it, it just, it, it started to kind of go downhill in that circumstance. Like it originally started with, with, um, Robert, Robert Coble, who was a really smart guy, but I don't think he had, he had experience with managing cyclists. 
But then all of a sudden he got into OCR and he just didn't – he was trying to develop the program from scratch, and I think he struggled there. So then they put Jody I in charge. And soon as Jody I got in charge, I think that the sport started to explode, at least in the way that media was starting to come in a lot more and more sponsors were coming in and bigger athletes were coming in. And I think the weight of that with the small budget he was given and the disorganization of it all was tough on him, and I think that's why he left. And now there's this guy, David Watson, who I'll be totally honest, like I worked with David Watson and he tried to bring me in and sponsor me this year. And um, I think the things that they're trying to do and listen, I told him, I said, I don't know why you guys sponsored athletes. You're basically you're basically paying for a bunch of kids lunch. Um, (laughs) And I told him up straight up and he goes, well, you're different. We're going to get you in something special. Like I want you to be X, Y and Z. And he basically tried to butter my biscuit, and then he gave me this contract that, you know, it basically was worse than, like, you know, it was the worst contract I'd ever seen. Like, I'd rather sign a contract that sent me to Vietnam back in the 60s. Like, it was, it was shitty. And it was, it, it just didn't, it didn't have any, show any kind of future or opportunity. And the reason that I think the sport's going really badly is because, they're they're trying to have everybody be part of these pro teams and i think they're trying to milk the hell out of the sponsors and really lean out the um the opportunities for the athletes and use their likeness which is totally okay because they gave us a platform to even work on but i mean this may seem all over the place but my point is is i think there's just People don't care enough about the development of the sport and seeing where it's going to be in five years. They just want to make as much money as they can off of the, the business this year. And what that's done is it's created this decreasing um, decreasing momentum of what the ha- what's going to happen in the sport. And the really sad thing is, is like, you know, you, we've, we've seen so many of these big Titan companies like Tough Mudder and Bone, uh, I mean, Battle Frog and Atlas Race. Uh, come in and I remember even Warrior Dash putting $30,000 for the world championships for first, 10000 for second, 7000 for third, 5000 for fourth. Like it was crazy. And what happens is it's just like so mismanaged and then it just collapses. And you even saw a company like Tough Mudder almost go bankrupt this last year. And I just – I don't get it. Um, I wish I could like come in and – and do something and really take some of the experience I had from being an athlete and uh, try to give a little bit more direction. But I just don't think they give a shit. I think, I think it, it's going to slowly taper off. Like, well, there, I don't know. I think there's a bottleneck. So it gets entertaining enough where they get big name sponsors that want to throw their hat in the ring. But in order, it's like a, if I have a business. And so I start making some money, and instead of putting the money back into my business, I start spending it like there's no tomorrow. And so there's no development of my business. I'm not going to get anywhere with my business because I'm not feeding it. And athletes in the sport are the business. And if you can't keep those people vital, if you can't keep those guys engaged and actually entertain more talent to come into the fray, then you're never going to get outside the box. You're going to get stuck. You're just going to continually get stuck. And I think the problem with Tough Mudder is when they were throwing some big money around. I mean, you you were the benefactor of some of that money. Where, Which I think is a mistake. 
Well, but the point being is they threw a lot of money at it, but they didn't really have the model. I mean, nobody even looked at Tough Mudder as a whole as being a competitive uh, event for the longest time. I mean, they didn't even time it for the longest time. And so I just don't think it, the shoe was on the wrong foot with, with Tough Mudder. But Spartan was positioned, and I think still is positioned, to make some good in the sport. And uh, some of the other sports are starting to get a little bit more entertaining. Uh, the Savage Race Series, I mean, there's a lot, apparently a lot of those races around the country. And, you know, they're not putting a ton, not, ton of I'm money. Not saying, it doesn't have to be necessarily money. Like, I'll tell you this. I brought this to Spartan Race um, this year, and they did nothing with it, of course. Uh, so listen, you know when you go to a Spartan Race Championship, there's about three to five guys who are going to win no matter what. And then everybody else behind is staying behind. So there's not much excitement in watching that race. It's just not a viewership design. Not only do they make the courses not good for visibility of like someone who's at the event, who's a spectator, but then also the content that they have that's happening um, for, you know, post-production viewers. Yeah, but there, look, at there's that's across the board in any sport. I mean, if you look at any sport, you're going to know who the top five guys are going to be. And, totally, and, but this is what I'm trying to say. I, I said you have to create races within the race. So, you know, in like Tour de France does with the race bibs, yeah. there's the king of the mountain, there's the sprint jersey, there's right. the leader jersey, there's the uh, overall like there's the overall jersey like the jersey of the day like they need to do that in the in the series because Atkins might be the best carry guy the king of the carries I said give people the king of the carries jersey um, there's like the sprint bib which would be the fastest person in the first mile in the elite heat um, and then there's the closer jersey which is the last mile of the race whoever's got the fastest one. Uh, then there's the climb jersey or the polka dot jersey, the person who gets the bit, the fastest climb, the first person to the top of the mountain. That could be either Killian, uh, Cody, or Albin. And then there could be the leader jersey, the person who has the, the points, overall points, uh, going into the, this race. And what that does is when you have content, like it creates these little races. Like somebody like VJ might just put every single ounce of strength to win the first mile and the last mile of the event. And then somebody like, you know, myself might come in and try to win the carries or Atkins might try to win the carries or, you know, and there could be points that are given extra points that are given at the end of the race for winning any of these jerseys, because the likelihood that you're going to beat Atkins overall in the race or somebody like um, Albin overall in the race is pretty gosh darn slim. But Albin might get his ass kicked in the carries. He might not be that fast in the beginning or in the end. He's just overall kind of like a, a steady guy. So. I just think that there's things like this that need to kind of come into play and make it a little bit more exciting because uh, I think it's grown stagnant is my point. Well, but then that comes back to money too because well, how order, expensive is that? Well, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I'm just saying that I think that that's the that's the problem is you've got to be willing to put the money back into the athletes whether you're going to put a bunch of money on the on whoever wins it. Or whether you're going to have this pre lap, like you're suggesting, and you have like uh, a variety of dollars that are being tossed around for different aspects of the competition, it all comes down to the same thing. You got to put the money out there for the people to be enticed. I can see where a guy might think, you know what, I'm a hell of a climber, 
if I just show up there and win the climb, I'm going to make X dollars or, you know, I'm a, I'm a great descender. So, you know, I may not win the race, but nobody beats me on a downhill and you're going to want to come get that. I, I like the idea. I think it's a great idea, but it still comes but back. That's what down. I'm trying to say. It's not, it's not going to be crippling expenses. It's not going to be, I mean, the, the, they didn't increase their prize money at all the past three years uh, in racing, except for in the national championship. They added the national championship, which I don't even think is really that necessary. Why have the championship series, then a national championship, and then a month later the world championship? It's just it's it's too many of these things back to back to back. Like you know, from a from a viewer standpoint, you're like, who won what, and who's actually the real champion? You you can't get it. You're like, who? I don't get it. Um, yeah, and then the rules applied to the championships are a little, a little funny too. I think they could they've made some mistakes there. I think VJ competing in these events right now, he calls himself the spoiler. He knows he's screwed. He can't. There's nothing he could do to win the national championships because he did not know that by missing that first race that he'd be out. And he, I guess he found out later that because of that he's out. And and I I just think that the rules keep changing and sort you know it there's definitely a lot of a lot of things that can be smoothed out let's call it that would make things better because I frankly I love the sport I love the energy I love I've been saying that forever I think it's great I I just love what it's doing to people it's different I, I find like you know I spent a lot of time in triathlon and quite frankly training for triathlon gets boring. It's like all you got to do is wear yourself out swimming, wear yourself out running, wear yourself out on the bike, and whatever wears you out the most, you leave it alone for a while and you do the other thing. And then and then you race. Where yeah. obstacle course racing, there's so much complexity to it. There's so many different variables that you have to consider. And at the end of the day, you have to be able to do all these things plus be able to run well. And you, as you're seeing it now, it's a runner's event. If, if you don't run well, you can't win these races. Yeah. That, you know, the thing that sucks is I was talking to Robert Killian yesterday, and he would have won the world championship last year if he wasn't such a pussy and could have picked up that tire. And I told him, I was like, dude, what's your problem? Like, you would have won your second world title, and but it took him like over two minutes to get a tire up. And it's pretty exciting to watch somebody come down there be crushing a race and then just get destroyed on all attire. So you yeah. have to be a very dynamic athlete and or miss a spear. Yeah. Or miss a spear. So it's pretty interesting, you know, that in that regard, because the marathon's pretty boring. This, I think it's the most exciting endurance event in the, in the world right now. Um, if done properly other than tour de France, which is so badass. Yeah. but you know, I, I think it's interesting. I think it's always good to talk about these things, and hopefully someone like you know in one of these uh, event series uh, ends up listening to this podcast and says we're both scumbags, but then it inspires them to do something a little bit better because I would certainly come back if things changed up a little bit and got more exciting. Well, first of all, we're not scumbags. We're not dissing the sport. We're just assessing the sport. And I, I'm not doing it with malice. I don't think you're doing it with malice. We're just looking at it and going – how can this be better? And are the people that are in charge aware that things aren't as good as they could be? And I'm sure they are, right? They, they, they got to know that things are not what they could have been, right? Am I wrong? Yeah. No, listen, 
I think it, all, all it takes is a little bit of a small snowball, a small snowflake that will turn to a snowball and then gain momentum and become something big that uh, creates change. So yeah, you, you don't want to say snowflake in California. Yeah. Well, and listen, I, I, I hope you guys see me in the fall and I hope that everything I bounce right back from, uh, from CrossFit and get really in hardcore shape and be able to crush um, OCR World Championships and Tahoe as well. So, All right, I got one more question for you before you you start starting to sound like you're leaving. No, 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 no. I'm just saying that was my kind of my button up and say that I'm still excited about the sport. Okay, so here's my question. Yeah. Because you've been tied with Fit Aid and you've been able to travel and you've been you've been seeking out all these different gurus in the sport of CrossFit so far in all the journeys and all the guys that you went and try to pull help from, mm-hmm. who do you think was the most most beneficial visit? The guys that you went around and spent time with, who who helped you the most, and and what do you think they did for you? Uh, I'd probably say Sarah Sigmund's daughter was the most intelligent and like her training. I don't know if I want to call her most intelligent because I don't want to make you think that other people were stupid, but it's interesting. Like the way that she trains now, this is a girl who's never won the games, but she's won almost everything else and come third and fourth and fifth and had to drop out last year because she broke a rib. Like she's one of these kind of people who like has everything going for her. And then something just falls apart last second, which I totally respect because I've never won Tahoe, and I, I hate that that's the one thing that kind of defined a lot of my OCR career because, uh, you know, I've done a lot of other badass things, but Tahoe is Tahoe, you know. And I think what that's done for her is it made her – it always makes her think a lot more than everybody else and really be so honed in compared to everybody else because she's always so close to winning, which is pretty awesome. And that's the same thing as me because every single year I don't I don't just use the same method – I try to find another coach or find another book or another diet that could potentially give me an extra couple percent. And when I spent time with her, her style was very like she tested her gymnastic skills, which are um, are like, you know, very skill based and hard to do. And then she put aggressive amounts of capacity, meaning like cardio afterwards or strength afterwards and then keep on going back. So she would start a workout and every minute on the minute, meaning starting at zero seconds of the minute, you do six ring muscle ups and then you have to hop on a rower and go as hard as you can for the rest of the minute. And then at the beginning of the next minute, back to those ring muscle ups and you only do it for about four or five minutes. But what you want to do is you always want to tax yourself in these hard movements under fatigue and see how far you can go without breaking because you want to make, make sure you get back to the bar in, in like in not shit shape and be able to go unbroken on the movements. Otherwise, like in, it's very systematic where you find your breaking point. And she also would take this form of, of, of doing gymnastics where every single round she would add another complex movement. So she would go from strict handstand pushups into, into toe to bars, into V sit ups, into legless rope climbs, into handstand walks, into, pistols into ghd sit-ups and you keep on adding more and more and more until you find your breaking point and you know i for someone who's listening and doesn't understand all of those movements like the best way to put it is is just always make sure that you add a little bit more to find where your limits are and find how you can increase them 
and shorten all breaks that in between to get ready for the next movement. Meaning like, you know, some people will go to an obstacle course race and then get up to the, like run really fast to the monkey bars. And then we'll just stand there for like 30 seconds before getting on it because they're just too exhausted to get on it. Whereas the person who went just a little bit slower could hop up on the bars and go straight across and keep on moving on. So I think that's really intelligent because I think so many CrossFitters that I've worked with, even the best in the world, use this method of just beat yourself bloody and do that as many times as possible until you find your breaking point and then and then go to bed and then do it the next day and then do it the next day. Oh, man. And it'd be like, being, it'd be like an elite cross-country runner doing 400s on Monday, 200s on Tuesday, mile repeats on Wednesday, 5K max effort on, on Thursday, uh, long run on Friday, and then another set of intervals on Saturday. It's like, holy crap. You, you, that never at one point did your heart ever go below like 80% of your, of your max. And that's not how you develop. That's how you burn out. And, uh, I really, I don't like it. Like I, I miss, uh, OCR training where I'd wake up in the morning and I'd run five to seven miles at an easy pace and do a couple skills. And then in the afternoon I might do some intensity and then for two days, I would just have like I would get on the bike, I would do easy runs, I would go do yoga, and then two days later, I would do another really hard workout. And I allowed myself to recover, I allowed myself to recoup, I would allow myself to develop some endurance, and then I tested again. And in this environment, like I think because people think that wads are hard when you do them, you have to train hard all the time. So it's it's a very interesting thing, like max lifts, max endurance max reps everything you can do yeah well it's crazy the two of us i guess went off and started writing program for that sport and the program that you got out now where where do people find your training program if you go to my instagram you didn't click and if you go to huntermcintyre.com which is probably the easiest way to look at it you just go to shop i have one guide out now um i have my open fit thing that i did which is like you know the It'd probably be the easiest way for somebody who's never done an OCR before. Like you just pay for the app and you can go there and watch, uh, like, you know, do workouts with me every single day for 30 days, which is pretty fun. But the stuff that I'm developing now, like I'll have another one out within two weeks and that's to get you ready for Tahoe or OCR world championships or, you know, a beast or anything that's longer than nine, not 60 to 90 minutes. Um, and yeah, I'm pretty excited. Uh, I've always, you know, I started my career as a trainer. Uh, I was a spin instructor. I was a group fitness instructor. I would train people out of, uh, Malibu fitness and then in New York city and Miami. And now I'm at the point where I've worked so hard over the past couple of years, I kind of miss just working with people and people message me every single day and say, Hey, what does this mean? And I'm always posting on my Instagram stories. If you kind of want to understand why, why and how I do a workout, um, you know, I'm kind of trying to give as much information as possible. Uh, and what I really look forward to doing, and uh, after I'm done with this CrossFit year, is I want to write a book about everything I learned in one year of doing CrossFit to get ready for the games. Because if I've literally spent about $30,000 this year on trainer fees and going to, like, you know, flights to go to seminars and work with different people. 
just to learn. And it was like, it was like almost going to college for a year in CrossFit. And I, I think that what I would like to do is just give it to everybody because every single year, like when I started doing CrossFit, I have a CrossFit level one. I have a CrossFit kettlebells. I have a CrossFit gymnastics, CrossFit strongman, CrossFit endurance. And what else did I do? I mean, I just went to the power monkey camp, which is another one uh, with the best weightlifters and best gymnastic coaches in the world. And, and like, you know, that guy, Chris Hinshaw was there. So I just went all over the place to learn from everybody. And it's extremely hard to get the time and the money to do that. So I'd like to share that with people and hopefully that will come out and it'll be an exciting read for anybody who's interested. Yeah, I think it will be. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to getting you back in the, the pain cave over here and uh, get back to do, developing some endurance. I think that uh, the sport needs you. I really think the sport needs you. I mean, it's a little boring right now. You're gonna I'll come sh- back and I'll rip some people up. <laughs> yeah. You just need to shake it up a little bit. We've got to get some people out there that have a little fire in their belly. I just, I just don't, don't feel a lot of passion there. I just don't see it right now. I don't know. But uh, it's always a, a thrill to have you on. I, I'm, we talked about things that I didn't even think we were going to talk about, but I think it was good. I think it was good, good, good speak. We had some things that uh, needed to be discussed. Well, I miss you tons, brother, and I appreciate all the motivation and keeping me in check for all this hard work that I got coming up soon and later on. And yeah. I expect every single morning that you get on that bike, you send me a text of you putting in that hard work because I'm holding you accountable too. I, I'm on it. I'm telling you. I, I really got to like the Concept 2 thing. You know, I, I, I get on They're the, great pieces of equipment. Yeah, they really, really are. I, I like the Ski Erg. I didn't realize I was going to like that so much, but that's such a cool device. Yeah. And, it, you know, the problem is right now for me is I'm landlocked. I'm sitting at my desk right now. I've been sitting at my desk since I got off that bike this morning doing client calls and just dealing with the business of being in the business. Here it is. We're working towards the latter part of the afternoon. I got another couple calls to do. And I just can't get away from the house like I used to where I'd go out and run or, you know, ride my bike down to the beach and back or whatever. I just don't have that kind of time anymore. And so it's been kind of a godsend to, to have those machines here locally and, and just snap out. Yeah, there. it makes it easy. You can, you can just do emails in the morning and stuff. All right. So huntermcintyre.com. Yeah. Huntermcintyre.com. Keep it easy, baby. All right. Well, and because I need to promote my own stuff, this thing I did with Ryan Fisher, I'm very proud of. I think that it's very unique to say the least. It's going to turn heads. And this dark horse training program that we did bundled with the running mechanics, the video, by the way, I don't know if you saw the video yet, the video we did, not the one that when you were there, but we just did another very, very specific running tutorial that's bundled with the the CrossFit eight week program that we did. I think that really turned out well. It's an hour long. If you can't run properly or understand what you're trying to do to run properly after watching that video, I can't help you. I just don't know what to do. <laughs> okay. And so that uh, video is found at Jim Ryan, G-Y-M-R-Y-A-N.com, JimRyan.com. You can buy the ebook, or you could buy the video or you could buy them both. Buy something. Either buy mine. You know what? Get your wallet out. Go visit Hunter. Buy his stuff. Buy my stuff. You'll be crushing it before the year's out. 
Oh, man, I look forward to checking it out myself. Thank you again for having me on, man. I miss you, and uh, let's catch up soon, all right? All right, take care. See you, bud. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.